Well, good morning. How is everybody doing? Everybody have a good week? Today, my aim is simply to um, add to the foundation of another great week. And we're going to do that by looking to God's Word. We've been on a series the last couple of weeks. This is uh, week three. We've been on a series entitled Above the Clouds. And literally what we're talking about in this discussion is life in the kingdom of God. And today I want to just start off by saying to each and every one of you that there is an invitation to you today. An invitation. It's an invitation to know life above what we've been conditioned to think life is about. We think that life is about running a rat race. We think that life is about money, 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 money. Right? And it's not. We think that life is about the things that we accumulate. We think that life is about the status and the accolades that we reap in this world. We think about uh, life uh, from many different angles, what we've been taught, what we've been conditioned to. But life is so much more. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about life in the kingdom of God. I want to strongly encourage you, if you missed the last couple of weeks, go ahead on our website, ctbny.com. Click on media. Listen to the podcast from the previous two weeks. Listen to all of them if you want. They'll all bless you. But today I want to start off with simply this statement as a, as a means to lay the groundwork for our discussion today. I want you to say this with me. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. Got to tell somebody it's no sweat. Got to tell somebody it's no sweat. It's no sweat. Or like a friend of mine used to say, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Right? It's not a big deal. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. When we think about life though, that statement right there kind of completely contradicts what, what we think life is about. See, we've learned and we've been taught from a young age uh, and experience that life is meant to be a struggle. We've been told and we've come to believe that if it's free, it can't be for me. Right? And we're fully persuaded sometimes, for some of us, that life is what we make it. Right? That's what we believe. But you see, herein lies a problem. It's a crucial point that we all must overcome. Because it completely contradicts what life is intended to be in the kingdom of God. Now that I have your attention, I want you to consider, how are you living? See, now, I want you to think about this. I, I, I started this service, second service, last week with the same question. How are you living? And you might say, oh, I'm good, yeah, everything's great. No, 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 no. By what standard, by what system are you living life? Are you living according to the kingdom and its ways? Are you living your way? Are you living by what you've been told? I mean, are you living by what you've been taught? Are you living by what you've come to accept life to be? Can I just say this to you? That life is meant to be no sweat. Life is meant to be no sweat. It's meant to be lived with ease. And I'm going to show you why directly from God's word. So if you'll turn with me today, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 26. And I'm going to show you God's original plan. It's important that we look at the original design. Don't be like me when it comes to putting things together, furniture together that you buy. I'm that guy that puts the instructions aside and puts it together and has all these extra screws, but somehow it's standing together. And then it crumbles months later. And I'm like, it's your fault. You shouldn't have put that heavy cup on it. No, stick to the plan. 
Stick to the plan. So we're going to look at God's original plan. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, we read that it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I want you to just stop there and think about what God said in the very beginning. Think, look at his reasoning behind creation and when he created you. When he conjured up this magnificent, the most amazing thing, the pinnacle of creation, when he thought of you, he says this, let us make them in our image and likeness, just like me. Verse 27 goes on to say, So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They, They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. Watch what God says. And it was very good. Very good. And there was evening and there was morning and the sixth day. Now, I just want you to pause for a moment. And let's just evaluate what God says here. What what creation was like in the beginning. Did you notice that from the beginning of time, what we see is that God's original plan for our lives was that it would be no sweat. It was a life full of blessing. We lived in perfect harmony with God and we enjoyed the fruits, listen closely, of His labor. Of what He did. You know, when the Bible says that on the sixth day, He created everything, He said it was very good, and then the seventh day He rested. It wasn't because He was tired. It was because it was done. It was finished. It was complete. It was completely finished. And so... Why did we live live in perfect harmony? What was it that God was trying to show us? See, we we lived in perfect harmony with Him, but it wasn't because we were, not only because we were created in His image, but it was because our manner of life was just like His. Just like His. You know, the Bible says that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. That's God's intention, that you would live just like Jesus? Sounds far-fetched, sounds foreign. I know. I know it does, but herein lies the reason why we must press in and begin to understand God's kingdom. Because when you begin to discover God's kingdom, here's what you begin to live like, a kingdom king. Life changes. You don't change for God. His his plan begins to find its roots in your life and it begins to produce something in you and I. And so from the beginning, we see that man's existence was different from what we think Life is supposed to be today. We see that we had an accurate sense of identity derived directly from God. We were just like Him. We lived with authority from God. We ruled and lived with dominion over all the earth. We were blessed by God in every respect. We were fruitful because of God. And what we see is life was very good 
within God's plan for our life, within the kingdom. But after Adam and Eve fell for the lie of Satan, and if you didn't hear it or you weren't here, go back and listen to the podcast of week one, Don't Buy the Lie. It'll change your life. I guarantee you it'll change your life. I'm not talking hocus pocus here. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking about truth. So Adam and Eve, they fall for this lie of Satan. We freely gave up what we had in relationship with God. And literally what happened is that they exchanged the kingdom of God. And as we learned last week, the kingdom of God, when it talks about the kingdom of God, it refers to a kingdom of light. And that word light there in the Hebrew simply means this. It means knowledge, knowledge of God, knowledge of his ways. But then they exchanged the kingdom of God, kingdom of light, for a kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. And that word darkness there simply means this, ignorance. It means that we were blinded to the truth. We were blinded to God's ways. We bought the lie and lived like blind people while stumbling along in life. And so there was this exchange. And with that exchange came what we've been taught life is supposed to be today, what we think life is about. Let me show you in Genesis chapter 3, 16 through 19. This is after the fall. God is now speaking to Adam and Eve, and he's also addressing Satan. And it says, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing, watch this, very severe, with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife. Now, you got to read between the lines here. You know what God's saying here? Because you stopped listening to me. Because you paid attention to another voice in place of what I gave you. So he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Watch this. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. We've all bought into statements like, nothing good comes without hard work. No pain, no gain, baby. Nothing comes easy. Life is hard, man. You don't understand. The struggle is real. We bought into all those statements, but these statements come out of a belief that this is what God intended for us. But pastor, wait, whoa. We just read in the Bible that God said, by the sweat of your brow, you'll earn everything. And what we fail to realize there is that what God is saying is, you chose this system, this kingdom. And because you chose that kingdom and your ways, as long as you depend on your ways, you will reap by what you do. Now, listen closely. Life outside the kingdom is hard. That's a given. Life is hard. Listen, I'm not talking about pie in the sky here. I'm not talking about fluffy stuff. Oh, I'm just this happy-go-lucky person. Everything is good. La, 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 la. I'm not talking about fluff, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about you can face life in circumstances. And you can walk in peace. Challenges can come your way, but you are in a state of rest. 
you're confident. You can cruise through life. Doesn't mean challenges don't come. Jesus said trials and tribulations, they will come. But listen, don't rejoice in the trial. Rejoice in the fact that he paved the way for you to walk in peace. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. And so listen, life outside the kingdom of God is hard. That's a given. But from the moment of the fall of man, from the moment that occurred, God introduced the plan by which it would all be restored back to mankind through Jesus Christ. Let me show you that in Genesis 3.15. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You know what God is saying there? They messed up. But I'm bringing something. This is the first prophecy ever in scripture. And here's what God is laying. He's paving the path for. Here's the picture he wants us to see. You messed up. But because man messed up, I'm going to send another man in your place. Who's going to come and he is going to crush the very one that deceived you. And I'm going to tell you why you can live life with no sweat. Because he's under your feet. We put Satan on such a pedestal and we believe, oh, the big bad devil. And the devil did this and the devil made me do that. And the devil this and the devil. The devil is a powerless being according to scripture. The Bible says that the day will come when we will look upon Satan and we will say, is this the one that made the nations tremble? Is this the one that caused all these problems? This puny pipsqueak? This guy? But you see, if we're to live life with this mindset and this perspective where it's no sweat, where it's more than just words, where it's more than just kind of trying to fluff it, we got to get back to God's original plan. You got to get back to God's original plan. I want to read to you from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip over to verses 9 through 11. And I want you to consider something here. Before we do this, I, I just feel the need to say this. The Bible says that what Jesus did was about more than just sin, it wasn't just for the removal of sin. It wasn't just for forgiveness. The Bible says that what Christ did redeemed us. You know what that word redeem means? It simply means to buy back and place back in its original state. And so what we have to begin to understand is that what Jesus did for the entire world was necessary for you and I because God saw it fit to bring us back to what it was always supposed to be like when i talk about a life with no sweat i'm talking about a life where we are confident and we expect the very best because god has already made a way and so listen closely hebrews chapter 4 verse starting at verse 1 says this god's promise of entering his rest listen still stands it still stands It's still his plan. And so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Paul here is writing and he's addressing a people who were beginning to mimic and do the same thing that the people of Israel did in the beginning. They trusted God and then all of a sudden they said, ah, we could do our own thing. 
We can make it happen our own way. And so he's addressing them. And what he's saying is, listen, we fear that you have forgotten or that you're losing sight of the fact that there is still a rest that stands. There's still a no sweat kind of life available to you and I. Verse 2, he says, for this good, uh, I'm sorry, for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those, watch this, who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though, watch this, even though his rest has been ready since he made the world. So listen closely to what we're seeing here. From the very beginning of time, rest was God's plan. I'm not talking about kicking back in your hammock kind of rest. All right? I'm talking about a rest where you trust and are confident in your relationship with God to the extent that you simply rely on what he had done. That's what Adam and Eve were before they gave up the kingdom. And that's what God has restored to us in Christ. You don't hear this in religion. You don't hear this in religion. Religion teaches us monotony. Religion teaches us acts. Do this, do that. Pray this, pray that. Kneel, stand. Do this, do that. Sing this hymn. Do this, do that. Give this, do that. Serve here, do that. How would that work in a marriage if it was just monotony? How would that work in relationships just in general? It doesn't. What makes us think that that's what we're called to in relationship with God? And so we're talking about a new way. We're talking about getting back to God's original plan. See, life is hard, but it doesn't have to be hard for you. It doesn't have to be hard for you. Look at God and His ways. You you know, this rest applies to every area of our lives. Confidence in God and what it reaps, what we reap as a result of it, applies to every, every, every area of our lives. My son is getting married next month, October 20th. Um... Super excited for him. So a couple of weeks back, my son had a day off. Or some, some holiday was there. He says, hey, I want you to come with me. We're going to go to the, to the mall, you know, and I want to I find my suit. He had a specific suit, specific color, design, a cut, and all that. And so he says, uh, come with me, and, and we're going to find your suit too. And so I, sa- I said to him, all right, cool. And uh, that morning while we were talking about it, I said, you know what, Josh? This is going to be easy for us. We're going to find exactly what you're looking for. And the reason why I'm saying that to him is because the, the color that he wanted, the light gray suit that he wants, it's out of season. It's not a fall color. So once, summer, once you get to July, you begin to see things change over for the fall. So I, I said to him, we're going to find this, and it's going to be no sweat. It's going to be easy. And he says, we're going to find your suit. So I said, all right. So we end up going to Danbury, Connecticut, uh, to the Fairway Mall, and we're there. And we go to Brooks Brothers. We go to Men's Warehouse. We go to every men's store you can think of. And mind you, I told him, it's going to be no sweat, man. We're going to find this. And God favors us. The Bible says that Jesus walked with favor with God and with men. The Bible says that as he is, so are we. So we have favor with God. We have favor with men. We're going to find what we need. So we end up in Lord and Taylor's. the way my bank account is set up. We end up in Lord and Taylor's, right? 
we're in there, and uh, we're looking for his suit, and, and, he's, and, and I'm looking for his suit, and I'm, I'm kind of like going, oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> let me, because I had, I had, in my mind, I had a budget, right? I had a certain limitation, right? Um, I had a certain budget that, of what I, what I wanted to spend. And my son comes up to me with this blue suit, and he says, this is the one that I want you to wear. And he pulled it out of a rack of suits that were about $700, the cheapest one. And so I'm like, okay, if this is, if, no, sir, it's my son's wedding. So if that's what I'm going to wear, then that's what I'm going to wear. I'm going to do it. I'm, I wasn't letting that stop me. So we, we look at it and I say, how much is it? And we start looking at the sleeve. We look at the pants. There's no price tag on it. And so I, I said to him, well, you know, maybe there's another suit around here like it. So we start looking around. We find all the suit like it. So I say, I'm going to just go to the cash register. I go to the cash register, and I tell the lady, hey, uh, there's no price tag on this. We looked around, and she goes, starts looking all over it. And then she finds this little, this little uh, tag in one of the pockets, and she goes, wait right here. She starts looking around, and I said, ma'am, we, we looked all over this whole men's section we can't find it. We were, we were doing the same thing you were doing. We we're trying to find the price tag. She says, oh, okay. And she goes, what, what rack did you get it from? From that one, she checks it. She comes back. She goes, hold on. She gets on the phone, and you begin to hear a mumble. She's like, yeah, this suit, and blah, blah, blah. And she lowers her voice. She's talking real low. And I'm saying, what is going on here? And then I hear her say, yeah, it looks like maybe that somebody took a tag from somewhere else and put it in there or something. She goes, what? And she lowers her voice again and she's talking. And then she goes, okay, you sure? Okay. She hangs up. She goes, sir, today is your day. She says, you just bought a Lord and Taylor suit for $49.99. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. It's no sweat. And let me tell you, that's a slick suit. It's a slick suit. It's a slick suit. But listen, life doesn't have to be hard. Not for you. That's not God's plan. It's not God's plan. It's not his design. I love the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. Jesus says, my father has entrusted everything to me. Think about what this statement is introducing us to. He says, everything has been given to me. My way. He says, everything's been entrusted to me. He says, no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And then Jesus said, in light of that, He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And watch this. And I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Now, I want you to think about this. Here's what religion tells you that that's saying. Bring your junk to God. Bring all your burdens, all your care, and say, hey, here, you take this on. But that's not what he's saying. He says, come to me, you who are weary, you who are heavy burdened, you who carry all the weight of the world on your shoulders because you think that's what life is about. He says, come to me and just take my rest. Take that off of you and take my rest. Trust me. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. 
because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what that word soul there means? The Greek word there, it's speaking of your mind. And isn't this the very place where we live in a state of unrest? Listen, we, we, we grind it out, man. I'm just grinding life out, man. I'm just trying to make, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to provide, and I got to work, and I got to do this. And gotta, oh, my God, I got to get up today, and it's Monday already, man. I wish it was Friday already. And all oh, my kids, and all oh, the house, and I can't find this, and I'm trying to figure that out, and I got to make this happen, man. And how am I going to do this when I do that? And Jesus says, come to me. He says, come to me. My way is better. You know the Bible says? The Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man. But its end is destruction. Now I want you to consider this point here. How you living? Are you living according to your way? To what you've been taught? Or are you really, 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 really discovering a new way with God? God calls us to a no-sweat kind of life. But it's as we follow his kingdom that we begin to see that life becomes easier, not harder. See, there's more to gain from God's efforts than our own. That's just the truth. There is more to gain from God's efforts than our own. And so the Bible talks about this man named Abram. A man named Abram who later had his name changed to Abraham. Now, that might not mean much to you because in this day and age, you know, you can literally just go and change your name, right? No big deal. But the big deal, the big deal here is that Abram's name was changed by God to Abraham. This guy Abram, from birth, back in those days, you didn't just name your kid anything. You named your kid with a purpose, with a destiny in mind. That name carried significance. And so, Abram, the word Abram, back in those days, literally meant exalted father. In other words, a great father. His parents had in mind that Abram would be a great father one day. But as we'll see, then he has an encounter with God. And God introduces himself to him. And he says, I know they call you Abram. But he says, Abram, that will no longer be your name. He says, I'm now changing your name to Abraham. Because the name Abraham means father of many nations. And so God introduces himself to this guy named Abram in Genesis chapter 12. And in verse 1, it says that the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. No, you know what's literally happening here? God's saying, leave what you think life is about. Have you ever thought about this? That we do things because our parents did them? Because our parents' parents did them? We do this, we do that. It's just it's just learned behavior. And so God says to this guy, Abram, hey, Abram, leave your house, leave your family, leave your gods, leave your pagan ways, leave everything you know life to be, and go where I'm going to show you, somewhere different. 
And thus begins this introduction to a life in the kingdom of God. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and, I, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I want you to think about this. Everything that was to go from that point forward in Abram's life was about blessing. It was about transitioning from a life of toil and hardship and grinding and making it on your own because some of us believe we're so important that if we don't do it, everything is going to crumble. Hey, we all need God. We all need strength. We all need a better way. We all do. Whether you believe in God or not, here's what I can tell you. We all can identify with that. We all want a better way. I'm introducing you to a better system, a better manner of life, the kingdom of God. See, for some of us, the idea that we can face life and it's no sweat seems foreign. It even seems impossible. And you're right. It is impossible when you're doing it on your own. But you see, it was the same with Abram until he understood how God works. See, it's no sweat when you trust in what God has done and not what you, quote-unquote, have to do. The kingdom of God works by God's blessings, not your blessing. Not your blessing. And so, remember how I was telling you that Abram, his parents had in mind, this guy's going to be a great father one day. And then God introduces to himself to him and he says, hey, leave everything you know and come where I'm taking you. I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you a, 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 a something that's just going to blow your mind. You're going to walk in my blessing. You're going to be a blessing to the entire world. Nations are going to come from you. The only problem was that his wife, Sarai, couldn't have babies. She's barren. Shop was closed. Nothing worked. But God says to him, you're going to be a father of many nations. So if you study this out for yourself, what you'll see is that Abram, for 25 years after God told him this, has no child. No child with his wife Sarai, whom God said would give birth to this child by which he would establish this blessing over all the nations. And he finds himself before God when then God's telling him this, and he says, hey man, I get what you said. I get what you called me to. I've left everything and I'm, I'm truly happy and I'm, I'm, I'm increasing in every area, but I've got no kid. Genesis 15 records God's answer to him. Genesis 15, 5 says he took him outside. God took him outside for one reason. He says to him, look up at the sky and count the stars. You know what it says in the original language? Count the stars if you can. He says, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. The Bible says that Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Listen, it's no sweat when you see what God sees for your life. Abram was at a point where God told him, man, I'm going to give you a son and many nations are going to come from it. You're going to be a blessing unto all the world. That's a pretty 
great purpose, wouldn't you agree? That's life with purpose, with destiny. Well, maybe you don't know this, but your life has a purpose and a destiny. The Bible says that He predestined you unto good works. You know what it's simply talking about? That you would do great things in life. That you would impact people greatly. You are God's solution in this world. But as we, it, it's until we begin to discover who we truly are meant to be in the kingdom of God and not this bump and grind kind of system that we know life to be, that life changes. So you see, it's no sweat when you see what God sees. Here Abram is saying, I got no son. And God says, let me give you a visual. Let me, give, let me show you a movie trailer of what your life is going to look like, Abram. He says, just look up at the sky. See what I see. Hey, maybe your vision's been clouded by the challenges of life. Maybe you've gotten to a place where I'm tired, man. I don't want to do this. I just want life. I just wish life was simpler. Well, guess what? It can be. It's found in a personal relationship with God in his kingdom according to his ways. I know. That's scary. Leaving what you know is scary. Trying something new. Taking a step, literally a faith, where you don't know how this works and it doesn't make sense and people are raising their hands and People are nice and, 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 and wait, like, like we really do things in the community and like people really care and, and, and life really changes and but families are reunited and, and children are where they were once going wayward. Now they're changing and transforming and, and they're growing up into men and women and people that love God and love people. You mean this, is, this stuff is really real? Yes, it's real. It's real. It's real. God has a better plan for you. But it takes getting out of this mindset of the world and what we've been conditioned to and seeing life according to God's kingdom, His ways. And so here we are focused on life on earth. And God is saying, just look above the clouds. Take a look at the stars. I would encourage you even today, tonight, man, just look out your window, go on your deck, enjoy a cup of coffee, whatever it is you do, just take a look at the sky. Maybe you've been questioning, God, are you really real? Is this really real? Do you really have plans for me? Are are you really that near? Just look above the clouds and let those stars serve as a testament to you. Because you might say, this is Abraham's story. No, 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 no. Let me show you differently. Let me show you differently. See, despite the fact that Abraham had a hold of God's plan for his life, that doesn't mean that he didn't have to face those things that cast doubt on the plan that God had for him. Like him, you and I, we see where God is leading our lives and we might know his ways, but circumstances will arise that challenges that challenge our trust in God, that challenge us and even compel us, if we let it, to depend upon ourselves instead of God and His kingdom. And it's in those moments where we need to get back to the basics and know how to remain in a state of rest. 
in God's kingdom system. Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 25, as we're wrapping up here, says this. It's referring to the life of Abraham and this struggle that he was enduring in that 25-year process. Where he was saying, man, every time he heard his name, Abraham, he was reminded, you're a father of many nations, but he didn't see any kids. And so there's this tension that he's living through, that he's managing through. And I'm sure that he possibly went through some of this, that somebody say, hey, Abraham, hey, father of many nations, where are your kids? Where's your God? I thought you were supposed to be the father of many nations, that you were supposed to bless the entire world. Romans 4 tells us something about where Abraham was in the midst of this. It says, we call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint. Can I just take a rabbit trail here? Would you allow me that? God doesn't relate to you based upon how you behave. If he did, then what would you need Jesus for? It's got nothing to do with our behavior. What if I stub my toe and I... Well, guess what? God anticipated that what if. And God gave Jesus for the entire world. So it says, we call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint. By the way, I didn't say that the Bible says that. God says that. But because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture, God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples? Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust to do, uh, he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with the word making something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made a father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old could never father a child. Nor did he survey, in other words, did he consider Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham. It's also us. It's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God and set us right with God. Listen, it's no sweat when you focus on the promise instead of the facts. The fact was this. This is the fact for Abraham. He's 100 years old. You ain't having a baby at 100 years old. It's not happening. Shop's closed. Nothing's working, right? 
The fact is that Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was in her 90s. The fact is that Abraham was impotent. The fact is that Sarah's womb was incapable of producing a child. But the promise said that God's blessing was upon them. The promise said that not, God, God not only called Abraham a father of many nations, but he also made him a father of many nations. The promise said that the same blessing that's in the kingdom of God is now yours. Don't tell me that life is hard when God says you can rest in all that I have done for you. There's a kingdom system. There's a kingdom way. The key to focusing on the promise, though, instead of the facts, lies in what you're persuaded about. Would you allow me just an extra three minutes? Would you allow me that? You ever heard the story, I think I've shared it here at one point, of the the family that was having the Christmas party? Right, and they were having a, they were, they they were uh, making a a meatloaf, and so this guy, he's just gotten married to his wife, and they they're doing Christmas at her house, and while they're there, they pull out this, they, they they're preparing this uh this meatloaf to put it in the oven, and he notices that his wife jumps in with everyone in the kitchen, and she cuts the ends off the meatloaf and puts it in the pan. So he, and she throws the ends out into the garbage. It's just driving him nuts. And so he says, honey, 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 honey. Come here. What is that about? Why would you take the ends off of the meatloaf? She goes, it makes it taste better. He says to her, where'd you get that from? She says, my mother taught me. My mother says that. This has always been the way we make meatloaf. So it's just bugging him. It's eating at him. And so he... A little while later during the party, he's mingling a little bit, and he comes to his mother, and he says, hey, mom, mom, why'd you cut the ends off the meatloaf? Lisa says that it makes it taste better. Where'd you get that from? She goes, oh, I I learned that from my mother. It's true. It makes it better. Just so happens that her mom is still alive. So she goes to grandma. He goes, hey, grandma, tell me something. Lisa says, and mom says that you taught them that when you cut the ends off the meatloaf, it makes it taste better before you put it to cook. Where'd you get that from? She goes, my mom taught me that. I'm telling you, it works. Just so happens that great-grandma is still alive and she's there. So it's driving him nuts. And after a while, he kind of scooches on over over there to great-grandma. He says, great-grandma, tell me something. Lisa says and mom says and and grandma says that you say that if you cut the ends off the meatloaf, that it makes it taste better. Where'd you get that from? She goes, oh, those silly gooses. She says, we used to cut the ends off because it didn't fit in the pan. Let me tell you why I'm sharing that with you. Because we can get so used to what life presents us that we just go with the flow. That's not the kingdom way. That's not how God works. And I was saying to you that the key to focusing on the promise instead of the facts of life is in what we're persuaded about what we believe is true and we allow to inform the way we approach life going forward. In Romans 4, 20 and 21, I'm reading from a different version because it bears out the original language well. It says this, it's referring to Abraham. It says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But he was strengthened 
in faith. And he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, watch this, that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham was fully persuaded. You know what fully persuaded means? Fully persuaded, some of you women that are married, you can understand what fully persuaded means because when your husband's fully persuaded, it's like, that's it. He's, there's no turning around. We're going through that brick wall. He says we can, and I'm going to let him lead the way. Abraham was fully persuaded. In other words, Abraham believed, God, your ways are better. God, your ways are higher. Lord, I believe and I've seen and I've come to know that when I follow you, that listen, this all turns around. Life begins to make sense. Where I'm worrying about my kids who are wayward, now I'm trusting in you. And I'm seeing you work in their lives and they're they're going from being children to becoming men and women. And God, here I am struggling and trying to make it in life. And and money, 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 money. And and God, and all of a sudden you begin to trust them and everything begins to change. Where there was no provision, now there's excess. Where there was struggle, now it's peace. Abraham discovered that life is no sweat when you let go of your ways and what you've been taught for God's ways. Let's stand here today. Listen, life is no sweat in the kingdom of God. Life is no sweat. You know, you might be at this point right now where you're going, oh, that was cool, yeah. We went to church. We checked it out. Good sermon, preacher. And we're thinking about lunch. Thinking about where we're going to eat. Thinking about what the work week has in store. We're thinking about all the chores that we have to catch up on. You're worried about things. And I want to just remind you of what Jesus said. He said, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, you're weary, you're burdened, you're grinding, you're struggling. You're you're trying to make life on your own terms. And what I want you to hear in what Jesus says is that there's no conditions to it. He's not judging you, he's not putting you down, he's not looking down upon you, he's not looking at you as some old dirty sinner. He's saying, just come to me. Come to me. He says, and I'll give you rest. He says, my ways are easy. My burden is light. Hey, if today's message resonates with you, speaks to you right where you are, it challenges what you thought life was about, and it's brought you to a place where you're going, man, I never saw a relationship with God that way, then I just simply want to say this to you. You're prime and ready to live according to the kingdom. For some of us, this is completely brand new. Never heard of this. This isn't what I even thought church is supposed to be. This is not what I've ever been, what I've ever heard God is about. But this resonates with you. For some of us, man, you've been going to church or you were going to church and you just kind of just started doing your own thing and here you are now and you're visiting or maybe you've been here a few times and you're saying, man, this all makes sense. Let me say to you, you're prime and ready to live in the kingdom of God. And then there's some of us that we're going, you know what, I know this and 
Man, I'm encouraged today. Well, you're primed and ready to continue to experience all that God has for you. But I started this message today by saying there's an invitation. There's an invitation into the kingdom. And I want you to consider where you're at. How you living? And I want you to take a moment to consider this. Do you want a better way in life? Do you want a manner of life that's higher than what you know? It's in the kingdom. It's in the kingdom. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Your word makes sense. It gives us a new lens through which to see life. And in seeing life through your ways, Lord, it invites us to something so much greater. Today, Lord, some of us weary, burdened, grinding in life. Today, Lord, your word speaks directly to all our hearts. And you say, come. Come and find rest. Come and live above the clouds. Come experience life in my kingdom. If there's anyone here today and you've never considered a relationship with God this way, but you're saying to yourself, I want that kind of life. I want that kind of relationship with God where his word makes sense, but it doesn't just make sense, it changes the way I approach life. You're primed and ready to receive the greatest gift of all. The Bible says, Jesus said that he's given us the keys to the kingdom. And today there's a door before us. If you don't know God personally, I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want you to stay right where you are. And I want you to just think about this. Do you need God's kingdom above yours? Do you need God's kingdom above your castle? And if you do, we're going to pray a prayer together. And we're going to ask that you join us. We're going to join our belief and our faith to you. And I'm going to ask if you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the very first time. I'm not talking about religion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God. I'm going to ask you a favor. Please don't leave here without telling us that. Stop by, see me, see, see somebody. Guess, let us know that. We want to celebrate with you. But today we're going to pray this together. And if you believe that in your heart today and that's what you desire, then pray this with us. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid a price for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I take hold of the keys of the kingdom. And I'm following you. I trust you, Lord. Show me your ways. Lead me to higher ground. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that for the first time, we celebrate Jesus in your life. This is no small thing. You have just gone from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and you are are a prime and ready to discover great things. Now, Father, we celebrate all you've done here and the truth of your word. These, your people, leave here with eyes of understanding, hearts transformed, minds renewed, knowing that they belong in the kingdom of God. And that you've called them to live life, no sweat. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless you.